This is Phil Farron. And I am driving home. It's Thursday today. It has been an interesting week. Uh, I was off all this week. Uh, my major client was um, was closed. So, and, and that was an interesting thing because I had mentioned that we'd had all this kind of interesting aftermaths from the November end of month, but we thought we had gotten all through that. And you know, there was just something in the back of my mind that was going, are you sure you have everything? Are you sure you have everything? And I was like, yeah, and the last meeting we had on that, I had actually specifically slowed the meeting down and said, okay, is there anything else we can think of? that we haven't done. Um, and and uh, the answer was, no, we think we got everything. And I, I think I even said, and we got financial reporting, updated the website where all the missionaries come and, and check things out. Um, and, you know, the answer was, yep, yep, we ran the update on that. Um, so, uh, have moved mom to it in just a second okay beautiful um we've been nana had her other pacemaker out today uh and she was quite concerned about the unknowns there but my wife just reported that in fact um they took nana in they opened her up they got the pacemaker out they said everything went great. Good. Yay. Good. So, uh, thank you, Jesus. So, yep, yep, everything's good, everything's good. Yep, we ran the financial reporting stuff. Thursday, I mentioned this, I think Thursday, Thursday. Like 15 minutes before I'm getting ready to leave, a missionary reported that on financial reporting, the totals still didn't look right on some things. And in fact, I checked when I got home and yup, they ran the updates, but the updates were only designed to do inserts and deletes and not updates proper, which meant that the data got transferred over to financial reporting, the website. Uh, but none of the data got corrected that was corrupt the first time that was, oh. And I just had to tell the supervisor, I'm sorry, I'm walking out the door and everyone's gone for Christmas vacation because I really don't want to make the change without the other guys there and seeing what I'm doing because long-term, they have to be able to support this stuff. So, you know, I was so happy because I felt like we had everything done and we were all good and there was nothing to be concerned about or think about. <laughs> I'm moving my recorder because it's not quite lined up correctly. Nothing to be concerned about, but of course, you know, we got this one thing we need to do on Tuesday when we get back in, and it's really not that big of a deal. What we're gonna have to do is flush the data that was the bad data that was pushed out to financial reporting for the statements, for the monthly stuff, and then we just need to pull the data again. Uh, but it will mean that the statement information will wink out for probably 15 to 20 minutes. And, you know, we're a 24-hour shop in that regard because we have missionaries all around the world. But, hey, 
you know, we'll be okay. It's just having that one thing. But, you know, despite, despite that, it has been a surprisingly busy week. It's been a good week. Um, and I'm actually into the happy time of the week. <laughs> because I get to eat. Uh, so Saturday was a really interesting day. Uh, because our renter, Dustin, had to be in at work on Saturday. But the daycare was closed. It was the 23rd, and they closed the daycare the 23rd, the 24th, and the 25th, and they basically just told their workers, their hospital workers, yeah, make other arrangements. We can't help you. I mean, it's like, oh, okay. So, there you go. Uh, so we had told Dustin, look, look, we'll watch Aiden. Um, Aiden is his son. Aiden is autistic. Aiden is as sharp as a whip. I mean, he is sharp. He knows exactly what's going on. He's not very verbal unless he wants to be. He can speak in complete sentences when he wants to. Uh, but that boy is as stubborn as any boy I've ever seen. I just <laughs> and it's part of the autism and... Frankly, you know, the obsessive compulsive stuff is part of the autism as well. And so Friday, we had a marathon three hour, three hour contest of wills. And I was upstairs helping Ned. Um, so, so what had happened was he had picked up a reindeer on the piano and chucked it. And that said, Aiden, you can't just throw things. You need to pick up that reindeer and put it back on the piano. Well, there, he just was like, no. And when he doesn't want to do something, he'll just put his hands over his ears and just walk away. I mean, he's... <laughs> so for the next three hours, we restricted what he was able to do. He couldn't play with any toys. He couldn't get any, you know, he would say milk and would say, no, you pick up the reindeer, put it on the piano, we'll get you some milk. I mean, there was just nothing, nothing, nothing. There was tears, there was hollering, there was going on, there was all kinds of stuff. Three hours it went on. And then he said milk again, and Net went to the refrigerator, got the milk, held it out in front of him and said, you can have the milk, but you have to pick up the reindeer and put it back on the piano. He just trotted right over, happy as can be, picked up the reindeer, put it on the piano, didn't complain at all, got his milk. <laughs> but that was after three hours. And in the midst of that three hours, I was kind of wondering, okay, does he really get what we want him to do here? But in the middle of that three hours, when we weren't in the living room, he actually picked up the reindeer and chucked it down the hall in the opposite direction as the piano. <laughs> man so as it turns out the Cox daycare is not going to be open on Sunday either the 31st so and that turned into a little bit of a challenge today but I think I've got it worked out um, because you know there's always a solution uh, but sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge to figure out what the solution is so the whole time I was talking to Dustin, I heard him say that he would be working on New Year's and that the daycare might be closed. Apparently what he was saying to me is that he would be working on New Year's Eve and the daycare would be. So 
That moved it from Monday to Sunday. Monday, of course, is fine because I'm still home. Sunday is more complicated uh, because I was running sound. And if I, had, if I had realized that he was saying that he was going to be uh, working on New Year's Eve, you know, I would have told them that I can't run sound. I've got to be home to work with Aiden and then everything would fall into place. Well, as it turns out, I am the only normal front of house sound man that's available this weekend. Everybody else is either at surgery or they're out of town or... Uh, and then today I realized what was happening and I, I wrote our music director and she said, I am so sorry. I have no other front of house person. And I said, that's fine. We'll figure this out. So she had come up with a plan to possibly move the broadcast sound person down to front of house and the broadcast sound person, even though they had never run front of house before said, yeah, she could do it. So that was kind of a backup plan. Uh, but all the way around, we were just dropping resources because it's December 31st and my wife is retiring. So this is like her last Sunday. So she's supposed to be up during the service, um, you know, talking. <laughs> and so she can't watch Aiden and her mom just got her pacemaker taken out. So her, her mom is gonna be over at her mom's house and another lady is gonna be watching her there except that lady really can't handle Aiden because he's a handful. Um, so, you know, all of that was out, net was out, I'm out because of running sound. I really need to be there for front of house, although I could, could, could not be there. There was a lady who runs a daycare who knows Aiden very well in Fairgrove, but as it turns out, she's out of town. I mean, so all of our options were just dropping. So I called my daughter, who is the mother superior of our church, and said, hey, do you know of anybody, I'm getting my mail, do you know of anybody that I could hire to just come out to the house and watch Aiden, you know, while while I'm at church? And, and, and so we, we kind of shot the breeze a little bit and she said well how old is he now and I said well he's five and she said okay so he's out of preschool and he's going to be in or he's out of toddlers he's going to be in preschool or nursery going to be in preschool uh and that's Lacey and as soon as I I went oh that's right because Lacey a good family friend her and her hubby but she's in charge of the preschool area and she has two autistic brothers. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. So for Lynette's retirement, I had a flash drive that a bunch of pictures that I needed to take over to her husband because her husband is putting together a retirement video for Nett. So I was gonna be over there anyways. And so, um, you know, I had a conversation with her and she just said, yeah, sure, you can just bring him in. She said, I'll take care of him. Um, and I told her, well, I said, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna need to be there about 7.30 for a sound check. And she said, no, she said, that's fine. I can come in early. So I will get her a gift card, of course. I asked her if I could hire her and she was just like, no, 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 but uh, there will be a gift card involved. Um, so I think we've got that worked out. And you know, at this point, um, it's a matter of just trusting the people and 
and uh, feel like I'm crunching into something. Maybe I am. It's probably the card tables over there. Um, but anyway, so I think we've got that worked out. Yay! Uh, so that's the saga. It's It's been exciting. Uh, but there's always a solution. There is always a solution. Uh, sometimes it's just a little bit of a challenge to find it. Um, but I think all in all, this is going to... It's actually going to be good. Um because Dustin doesn't get a chance to come to church much because he works every Sunday, you know. But if he knows that the person who in, who's in charge of the preschoolers actually has two autistic brothers, you know, maybe that'll kind of open up a little bit more. The writing is going fine. I'm finishing up on the read-through of everything that I had written for the first part of book 20, and that all seems to be fine. And I've stopped in a fairly dramatic spot. And so, you know, it'll be easy to get started again. I start the second writing sprint on Sunday. Actually, I probably don't start the second writing sprint on Sunday because Aiden will be with us. So I start the second writing sprint on Monday. Um, and, you know, we'll... We'll see how much I can start plowing through. I only have 60,000 words left on this book because I got to 90,000 words. Um, I got to 90,000 words uh, before I knocked off on book 20. So I have two months to get that done. That shouldn't be a problem. We'll get the... Um, We'll, we'll get the beta copy put together and we should be able to hit our deadline of April 1st for beta copies out to beta readers. And then there'll only be four more to go. So, you know, as they say, if the Lord wills and the devil don't hinder and the crick don't rise. So that'll be good. Uh, costumes are going fine. I got my big wig finished up uh, and it's fine. Now I'm teaching myself how to build latex clothing. And in fact, I'm going to try to do maybe a, uh, a run on just doing some latex gluing tonight. Um, and we'll see how that goes. Um, it's going to be, you know, very interesting. Uh, one of the challenges here is that uh, this, this stuff stinks. And, you know, that you, the glue that you use, the solvent and the glue that you use kind of stinks. And Ned is very, uh, very sensitive to smells. Um, and in fact, I, I had used some spray called Plastidip. Uh, and I had kept the garage door open and kept it right near the front of the garage uh, so that most of the fumes would go out. But then I had sprayed and I went inside and apparently fanned the door or the wind direction has changed and net picked up on instantly. So then I moved farther away and put up a heater, but it's gotten cold enough here that uh, I don't think the latex is, glue is going to cure out if I do it outside. So probably going to set up in the basement, put a couple of fans in the basement doors to blow the air out. Uh, hopefully it won't get too cold in the basement, but we're going to give it a try. Seems pretty straightforward, you know. Seems like you have to be careful, but seems pretty straightforward. So we're going to see how this works out. I think I've made all my measurements correctly according to all the rules. We'll see how this works out. Uh, 
Um, there's no substitute for doing it, though. You know, there's no substitute for doing it. Um, but God has been faithful and he's guided me and we'll be fine. And by the way, I'd mentioned last week that I finally got the rest of the bit. And um, so, so we're good uh, there, you know, because the second half of the joke is not only is Goldilocks entitled and privileged enough to walk into people's house and eat their food and break their furniture and sleep in their beds uh, without feeling any remorse for it, apparently, but she also has to run a run, you know, do a running commentary on everything she's doing. This is too hot. This is too cold. This is just right for me. Thank you, Goldilocks. <laughs> Where would we be without your opinions? Which seems strangely apropos. Um, I am, I've, I've got to get to other things. I am still working on the Love Your Robot Day. And I've got a funny story to tell about that, but maybe I'll tell that next week uh, because I think I am going to use uh, pi.ai for that and I'm working out the details on it. And I actually had pi.ai work out some of the details with me, which is very strange, but I'll talk about that next week. Uh, so that's going good. That's all well. Um, I ordered a gray bodysuit for Bugs Bunny Day found a good plastic, a good origami mask for Bugs Bunny Day that I'll probably use some derivative of. So all that's going fine. Um, yeah, so it's fun. It's fun. God is good. He helps us. And uh, I was reminded again today, Nana was a little concerned about how this would go. And she said, you know, it's just the unknowns. It's the unknowns. I said, I know, Nana. I know. I said, but I have a little saying, and that is this. He stands in the future. We are all toddlers learning to walk in eternity. But he stands in the future with his arms stretched towards us, whispering sweet words of encouragement. And she said something about that was very sweet. And then I prayed with her before they left. And they left, and it looks like my wife has just written another text message. And he says, she says, Mom is doing good. No complications. They are putting around a little O2 for a bit. If no complications are arrived, we'll be home in two to three hours. So, yay, yay, yay. That all seems to be going well. Anyways, uh, this week I came across something that's been up for a while. It apparently uh, was put up a year ago. But it was really, really interesting. And I think I have a new favorite number uh, because used to be my favorite number was 153. <coughs> and 153 is my favorite number because it's a cubed sum. So if you take each of the digits of 153 and cube them and then add them back together, you get 153. So you take the one, you cube it. That's one. Through one raised to the power of three is one. Take five raised to the power of three is 125. And then you take three raised to the power of three. And that's 27. So you take one plus 125 is 126. 
plus 27, it's 153. So that's a fun number. But I think easily my new favorite number is 1 over 137. Because I came across this uh, YouTube video from PBS Space Time entitled, Why is 1 over 137 one of the greatest unsolved mysteries, unsolved problems in physics? And the, uh, the guy who moderates uh, the YouTube video goes on to explain that there is a constant. Uh, it's called the fine structure constant, and it's designated by the Greek letter alpha. And there's a reason it's alpha. And it just looks like one of the many constants in, nature's that power, in nature that power the laws of physics, like the speed of light and the gravitational constant or Planck's constants. But there is something special and so weird and so compelling about this number that many of the founders of quantum mechanics obsessed over it. The uh, narrator of this episode said that Paul Dirac called it the most fundamental unsolved problem in physics. Wolfgang Pauli said, when I die, my first question to the devil will be, what is the meaning of the fine structure constant? Even Richard Feynman pondered its mysteries his entire life. In 1985, he wrote that all good theoretical physicists put this number up on their wall and worry about it. So what is, why? Why? So he says, uh, as, uh, as with much of quantum mechanics, it started with us watching light produced as electrons flickered between energy levels and atoms. This process results in the emission of photons of specific energies that we observe as spectral lines, the sharp peaks of light observed when we break up the spectrum into different wavelengths. For example, uh, hydrogen atoms only emit light within specific energies. Other elements have other spectral lines. Explaining the spectral lines was a major driver for the development of quantum mechanics. And one of its first great successes, first with Bohr's model explaining hydrogen lines, and then Schrodinger's model for heavier elements. But there was a problem. As our measurement apparatus improved, we saw that the single spectral lines were actually a little off the calculated values. And moreover, each single line was revealed to be composed of two lines at almost but not quite identical energies. It was Arnold Schromenfield who managed to explain the discrepancy by including the effects of Einstein's still new relativity, as well as the fact that energy levels of electrons with opposite spins are separated slightly by their interactions with their own orbital magnetic fields. And there was something peculiar. The difference in energy between those fine lines was always a multiple of one particular number. The charge of the electron divided by four times pi, the permittivity of free space, Planck's constant, I don't know what that word means, and the speed of light. Okay, big deal. We see combinations of all these sorts of constants in all the laws of physics. But the weird thing about this particular combination is that it has no unit. You can be working in multiple different fields and you can find discrepancies and that discrepancy resolves to approximately 
1 over 137. It's actually 1 over 137.035999. <laughs> and if you look at the ratios of all those discrepancies across multiple things, it comes out to be 1 over 137, approximately. And that's called the fine structure constant. So no one can no one can really explain why this number keeps showing up. But it keeps showing up over and over and over in ratios. It's either 1 over 137 or it's 137 to some power. The narrator said, I'd like to tell you what it means, except I can't because we still don't know. So the big question remains, why does alpha take on the value that it does? And why does this specific combination of other fundamental constants come out to be exactly alpha? And then he goes on to say, when I say that alpha takes on a specific value, I'm not telling you everything. Sometimes it doesn't. In fact, the fine structure constant isn't as constant as it sounds. It changes with the energy of the interaction. The higher the energy, the larger the constant. In the insane energies right after the Big Bang, the coupling constant for the EM field, which was then joined by other forces, would have been close to 1, but it quickly dropped to lower values as the energy dropped and the forces separated. We are now at the bottom of the energy scale, and the fine structure constant has bottomed out at 1 over 137.035999. However, there's no reason that they know of that it should have stopped there. It should have dropped all the way to zero. But if alpha would have gone to zero, there would be no electromagnetism. There would be no fridge magnets. And there would be no atoms. <laughs> And the man who was narrating went on to say, and actually, we're luckier than you think. This constant sets the size of atoms. The larger value means electrons would be closer to the nuclei, make them more tightly bond and less able to participate in chemical bonds. A smaller value would mean electrons were less tightly bound, making atoms and molecules less stable. It's been estimated that if the fine structure constant were just a few percent different, carbon would never have formed inside stars and life would be impossible. He says, we don't know why our universe ended up with this particular value for the fine structure constant or many of the other fundamental constants. Many physicists believe that these constants were more or less set randomly at the beginning of the universe. Well, that's a problem because it would be surprising that they landed on just the right values to allow the formation of life. And that's why scientists then go to the many-universe theory, where it's an infinite number of universes, and we just happen to live in the one where life exists. So, you know, the way the scientists fix that is they talk about the anthropic principle, where the only reason 
that we are able to make these measurements and they're exact as they need to be is because the only reason we would be here is if they were exact as they need to be. And we're interpreting through our, through our lens of anthropomorphism where we're trying to say that our existence as beings has some plan to it as opposed to just being random and we're only one of many, many universes. Because we don't want to acknowledge... <laughs> Because we don't want to acknowledge that there might be a creator who set Alpha. Because we don't want to acknowledge that there might be a creator who continually sustains all things and empowers them to exist. And that's... If that's what people want to do, that's what people want to do. But it's just highly convenient that 1 over 137 exists as a ratio in multiple places. One of the interesting things is that he mentions in here is that one of the things you could do with this number is that you could actually use it to communicate with any sufficiently advanced alien civilization. You know, you can also use things like prime numbers because they're solid but he said, if you had a very, very small amount of data that you could transmit, maybe just, you know, a few bits, eight bits on and off, transmitted in binary. He said, really, all you'd have to do if they are a sufficiently advanced civilization is to encode the number 137 in binary in eight bits. And if the alien civilization was sophisticated enough, they would have made exactly the same discovery and they would know that your science had advanced to that point simply by saying 137. Because it, 1 over 137 or 137 to multiple powers seems to somehow define relationships between the primal forces that govern our universe. It's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. So they end the YouTube video, little language coming up, end the YouTube video with Richard Feynman uh, one last time. They said he called the fine structure constant one of the greatest damn mysteries in physics, and poetically mused that, quote, the hand of God wrote that number and we don't know how he pushed the pencil, end quote. In other words, to build a universe, it may be that only one number needs to be decided from the beginning and from it all other constants naturally follow. And perhaps that number was 1 over 137, the fine structure constant whose value sets the rule of this particular space-time. So fun stuff. Fun, you know, it's just fun stuff. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say that having such a number of in existence also potentially lends credence to the fact that we are living in a simulation. 
Because if you're living in a simulation, there is a designer of that simulation, and it would be very simple. If the designer is sophisticated enough to create a wondrous civilization simulation as the one we exist in, it would be simple for that same creator just to encode that number into everything, perhaps with a little snicker, knowing that eventually mankind would figure it out. Because as the Proverbs say, and I have said multiple, multiple times, it is the glory of God to hide a thing and the glory of kings to seek it out. This is Phil Farrand, and I have made it home.